For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the Angie Spoke podcast. Well, hi, Andy. Hi, Jenny. Got a big story today. Are yeah, you ready? This is, yeah, I'm ready. This is a personal one, but I think mm-hmm. it's got some, it's important to share it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just preface it by, we're going to go back to March of 2020, beginning of COVID. And when all hell broke loose throughout the world, including in our little company, and you were really sick. Mm-hmm. And so this is the story of Jenny having COVID and ultimately long COVID while we were in the most insane time of our company. I actually have no idea how you did what you did. And a couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to podcast and I wasn't feeling well and I had a headache and I was lying on that couch behind me and I couldn't even sit here and talk to you and I was not going through what you were going through with the fevers and so on. And so I just marvel at what you were able to do. And I know it's kind of like you don't have a choice, but I think, so this is why we wanted to tell this story because a lot of people have long COVID now and it's a much more known thing. It was a long what back then? Like we didn't even know. So let me turn it over to you, Jenny, to maybe start at the beginning of what those first few weeks and months were like when you realized that you were ill. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is going to be a bit of a story. And I think I just want to kind of get as much of it out in this episode as possible, because I know just statistically speaking, I don't know worldwide, but in the United States, I just saw a statistic that 7.5% of American adults have long COVID. So a lot of people like millions and millions of people have this illness. And it's been in some articles I've read, and I've spent a lot of time studying long COVID in the last two and a half years, say that, you know, up to 30% of the people who ever get COVID have long COVID for some period of time. And so it's still kind of this medical mystery. We don't know exactly what's going on. Some people think that there's the virus is still hiding in kind of protected areas of the body. And other people think that your immune system is just really damaged from COVID itself. 
And there's people that think it's a combination of both. And then there's people that have all kinds of other outlandish theories. And so just also want to say, like, I don't know any of the answers to that, obviously, but I've spent a lot of time trying to figure it out because it's my body and I still have it. So I also will say that too, like I still walk the world with long COVID and I don't know if it'll ever be gone. It's almost three years for me. And I know from hearing stories and reading articles about people who had some of the original, like some of the previous coronaviruses that broke out in other parts of the world decades ago, that like sometimes it takes four years to get over something like this. So Hopefully, I'm close (laughs) to being all the way done. I'm definitely better. But I just want to say, like, we're doing this episode because I've never seen anyone talk about the relationship between long COVID and entrepreneurship. And I think it's really important to talk about. So I'll go ahead and start with the beginning. So I was living in Washington. And for those of you in North America, you may remember that, like, the first cases in North America, like, early on were documented in and around Seattle. And my husband at the time was working at Amazon and his team was back and forth to China. So his building, like it was like very much in our lives, like the earliest documented cases in the U.S. were from really close to where we lived. And he was telling me about people who were really sick in the office. And so whatever, I got sick. Like I got sick like I thought it was the flu early in 2020, actually late in 2019. And I think there's a lot of evidence that COVID was already circulating in December in North America. I got really sick, just like really sick, like a flu sick. Like I had a bad headache. I was super congested. I had the chills. Like, and then I had this cough that wasn't, this like wasn't going away. I went to the doctor. I had chest x-rays done. Like I was just told, yeah, we don't know what it is. You had some kind of virus, right? It was like nobody knew. It was like pre-pandemic shutdown. And then I kind of, I started to get better. I still wasn't like all the way better, but I was functional and it was a really tumultuous time in our business and in my life. And then the pandemic hit in about two weeks after, in March of 2020, after kind of the world went nuts and our platform crashed from the number of people trying to get online, I started feeling really sick. And I thought I was just exhausted. Like you and I weren't really sleeping or taking care of ourselves. Like I don't remember anything. It was like a total black hole. Like I just remember like my husband would leave food at the door basically. Like I just worked every waking minute and I was also practicing law at that time. And so I was like literally working every waking minute. (laughs) And I realized like at some point that I had a fever. And this is again like months, basically weeks to months after having been acutely ill. And I still had like a cough and – but you know, whatever. I was like kind of wheezy, but I was generally had been functional. And then all of a sudden I got this fever. And so I started taking my temperature every day. And like I had a fever. And then the next day I had a fever. And the next day I had a fever. And I had the fever for almost 100 days, which is not normal. And it was like anywhere from like 100.1 to like 102 degrees, just like every day, every time I took my temperature. And I felt, you know, when you have a fever, you just don't feel right. So that was the first thing that happened. So I was like, I just thought I was working too hard. And I was like too tired to get out of bed. So I was like working from my bed for like days at a time, like working all the time from my bed. So anyway, that's the beginning of the story, Sandy. <laughs> I don't know, should, is there any, are there any questions about that part of it? No, I think it's such an interesting time to be sick because we just felt terrible. Like we were literally working 15, 16, 17, 18 hours a day 
And so how would you ever even know that there was something else going on? Like we were to the brink of exhaustion. There was points where we just literally wanted to shut it down and walk away. Don't care about who we hurt or what money we lose. It's just like, we cannot do this. So your fevers, I distinctly remember you just like being really hot and like holding your eyes and you'd be like, I got to let you lie on the floor as I was talking with you or trying to hire a CTO or whatever we were doing back then. Like it was just so conflated. Like we couldn't like, oh my God. And I also remember having absolute fears of you. Like I would wake up in total anxiety panic that you were going to go down. Like that you were, I think this was a little bit later on that you would, we knew like it was a pandemic. It was named, it was this thing. You were kind of like, do I have this thing? And I thought, oh my God, she's going to be airlifted to Seattle and be on a ventilator. Like that was my worst worst fear, of course. And I just like, that is terrifying. And then also like, how am I going to run this freaking company without you when we are in like mass chaos, like mass uncertainty? Like I just, like that, it was nothing compared to what you were doing or feeling, but I just was such a deep fear. Like she's how, she's not going to make it. She's not going to make it through this. Like, yeah. Well, that's what my husband thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like my husband has since told me he thought I wasn't going to survive. And I, yeah. So I know like I was affecting so many people, like my sickness was affecting my child, you, Nate in particular, because like the responsibility that we all share, like you share a lot of responsibility with the people closest to you in your lives. Right. And so, and also like, yeah, I was having, that's the other like main symptom that I had early on in the first few months of quote unquote long COVID was like eye pain, like my vision would go, I would have like really intense, like kind of hotness behind my eyes and like pain in my eyes. And I also will add because it like, I had this like lingering cough and like kind of trouble breathing. And then like nobody was talking about pulse oximeters or like any of that stuff until early on in the pandemic, right? And then all of a sudden I was like, I should probably figure out what my oxygen levels are. Like I had no way to do that, right? Because like it's not normal. Like now you have that on your Apple Watch and you have it on your like Fitbits and you have it like everyone. I have like two pulse oximeters in my house at all times. Like I spent the last couple of years carrying one around with me. Like I didn't leave, like I didn't actually like leave the house without a pulse oximeter in my purse. But back then I didn't even know what it was. And then it was like the early days of the pandemic and the lockdowns happened. And I was like, shit, I need to find my oxygen. Like my sister-in-law is a nurse and she was like, what's your oxygen? She lives like 3000 miles away and I didn't know what to do. I like called the doctor. I called my doctor. I called like the nurse lines. I called, I live on a remote island usually, right? So really far from everything. I called like the local clinic and I was just told, do not come in anywhere because if you don't have COVID, there's a good chance you'll get it. So if you go off island, everything was totally locked down, right? That's remember when we were like washing our mail and stuff. Like it was like that kind of time. And so a good friend of mine is like good friends with the paramedics where I live and he dropped a pulse oximeter off, I think on my porch. Anyway, and like my husband ordered a couple from like medical device companies and stuff. So eventually I I found you one too, because remember they were all sold out and I was like, oh, I'll find one. And yeah, like I played Jenny for a second and go deep on the internet to find somewhere in Canada. Eventually I got one. Yeah. Yeah. And my oxygen was like not normal. Like it wasn't, I wasn't like need to go to the hospital and get on a ventilator, but it was like 90, which like some people would have said, go to a ventilator. Sometimes it go into the eighties. So I was like full on, <laughs> I was sick and I just kept going and I was like, well, 
you know, whatever this is, like, I don't want to go take resources away from like people, like elderly people or people who are really, really sick. Like I'm okay. I can function. And I was really busy, (laughs) like with lots of jobs. Like I had court cases, like I was going remotely and like zooming into courtrooms and hearings. And then I was trying to like keep our tech company alive and like hire 20 people. Like it was a lot. And I was really sick. So thank you for everything you did during that time to kind of like hold court because I was kind of not fully competent. And that was a big time. So I just want to say like, so that was like kind of phase one of long COVID. It was like, oh, and I don't, I didn't have like a positive test because I never went anywhere, but I had, I don't know how many telehealth doctors I consulted with in my family that are medical practitioners. So I had a diagnosis, like I have a diagnosis in my charts from March of 2020 of COVID, but I didn't actually have a positive test at that point. So anyway, so then like three months goes by and it's June, June of 2020. And things have just sort of like continued on. Like it was basically just sort of the same for three months. And you and I were in absolute chaos professionally. So like I don't, everything's kind of a blur from that time. But then I woke up one morning, like four in the morning with like the most intense vertigo I've ever experienced in my life. Like just, I woke, I know what day it was because it was my daughter's birthday. (laughs) So I have like a journal and a log of like every symptom and everything that was going on. And it was like, I just woke up and I was in like a deep sweat. Like, I think I broke the fever that night because I didn't have the fever after that, like a hundred days. And then I woke up and just like drenched in sweat and it wasn't hot out, but everything was spinning. And like, I woke up and my husband woke up and he was like, you're not okay. Like he just saw me like dripping sweat and I was so dizzy. Like I couldn't even get to the restroom by myself. So then that's when the vertigo started (laughs) and the fever broke and then the vertigo started and the vertigo still, it was very constant for probably six months, like, and then less constant after that. And it still happens. Like I still have probably one or two bouts a month of it, but it was the most intense. That was the worst for me, actually, just being really, really dizzy all the time. It was terrible. I don't think there's a worse feeling in the world than that. Yeah. And like there isn't. And especially when you need to look at a computer all day and try to function and to, you know, live in the world. But I will say at the time, like all these symptoms, like the fever, No one thought it was COVID at all or related to COVID. Like there was no evidence that this thing even existed. Like I was in the original Facebook group where the woman, the preschool teacher in Oregon named long haulers. Like she named long COVID. Like I was in that early group. I luckily like found community early on online. And I feel like that really saved my life because I would have been so distraught going through something like this alone, like thinking... I was dying, thinking nobody in the whole world is experiencing this. And so I would like go in and I had people I could share my symptoms with. And I was, I think, the first person in any of the Facebook groups I was in that talked about vertigo or being dizzy at all. Like it just was not even acknowledged at that point in time that dizziness was even remotely related to COVID at all. Like it was just another thing. So that's when that started. And then my vision got really bad after that. So I had been having the stinging eyes with the fever. And then like my peripheral vision basically just went crazy. And everything, when I would turn my head, like things in the distance would be really blurry. The only thing that wasn't really blurry is if I like was super still and looked at something up close. 
And so I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to go blind. Like I'm literally going to lose my vision now. Like how am I going to function? How am I going to like do my job and my other job? And how am I going to take care of my kid? And like, I'm not going to have any vision, meaningful vision. So that was terrifying. So that was the next phase. And then I started seeing eye doctors. I think the first time I went to see an eye doctor or an ophthalmologist was in August of 2020. And like many people with long COVID, if you're listening to this story, I was told there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) So that was also like the story of like my life with a lot of medical professionals was like, oh, I don't see anything wrong with you. But I did find, and I want to say like resource-wise, I found some glasses called Theraspecs that are like red light glasses that really helped me with just like not feeling as bad with my vision. Like I still had vertigo and I still had blurriness, but they just sort of gave me a sense of ease. I don't know how to describe it. Like a lot of people wear them for migraines and they helped me a lot and they're not super, super expensive. So that's one resource that I would throw out. And then eye drops helped me a lot too. Okay. So then what was the next phase? So then that was pretty normal for, so that was like the first six months of long COVID for me. And then it just kind of continued. And then really my breathing and heart started to act up. So like the next year is really the story of my heart. And I know we've talked a lot about this because I've had panicked moments where I called you like thinking I was dying, which anyway is terrifying probably and awful, but you've talked me off the ledge. So thank you. And so that started with like these really intense adrenaline drops and like my heart rate going down to like 40 beats per minute and then shooting up to like 150 or 160 beats per minute within seconds and being totally debilitated by it. Like your breath gets taken away when that happens. And I'd be like sitting down working or in bed and my heart rate would drop really suddenly and then shoot up and spike. And then I had lots of sinus tachycardia. So my heart rate was like elevated kind of all the time for months. Like it would just be like 110 beats per minute all day, every day for weeks. Like it just was beating way too hard and way too fast. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Like throughout this – You never took any time off, like not even a weekend or like uh, anything. No. And you know what? I don't want to say like, because that probably sounds like crazy, but I will say that for me, I I think some people listening know this. I lost both my parents. They were pretty young. And so I have like a really massive fear of being sick. Like it's a full on phobia, my relationship with like kind of medical problems. So work was such a powerful distraction for me, like, because I really was intense. Like there was a lot going on and I was working on two court cases for my job. And then I had our company and I was like, literally every minute was focused. And it was like actually a huge gift for me because if I had, I think been, it was still really hard and mentally traumatic to be that sick and scary. But if I did not have our company to focus on, I don't know what would have happened to me. You know how like your mind is so powerful with your body, right? Like that obviously our listeners know like like mind-body connection is everything. And if I had like had all those hours to just obsess over what was happening to my body, I'm sure I would have been much worse. Mm -hmm. Like that's my belief about it. Mm -hmm. You just would have spiraled out. Uh, Yeah. I would have lost it. And like, you know, the suicide rate is really high with people who have long COVID. Like they're, it's terrible, right? And I totally get it because 
your body just is failing in random ways and doctors in many cases like can't like it's better now but still not good but like in the early days like it's like medical gaslighting was going on right like doctors didn't know what the hell was going on like the world was shut down people were de- the medical establishment was dealing with the acutely ill covid patients and like the people who were having all these random things like were not the priority and no one knew what was happening So it was like, it's not like, oh, you get this diagnosis and like the world rallies around you and you're sick and everyone's like a GoFundMe campaign. And, you know, it's not that like, not that I ever want to have that, but it was like, am I, is it in my head? Is my heart like going crazy because I'm crazy? You know, I, I mean, is dizziness even related to this? Like, is my fever related? Like nobody knew. And so, and I was so early, like I was in the very, very early group of people who got COVID. And so I was on the front end of all of the symptoms. So it wasn't like I knew what to expect. I would be the person who said, hey, does anyone have this? And then like a few days later, somebody would say, oh, I'm having this now. Like it was that riding the wave, really. So thank God for work. Like that's what I want to say is like, thank God, because I would have been, I think, in a way worse space mentally and physically if I wasn't working. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and completely overwhelming. Look, we know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a monthly membership that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. So what did you do? Like, what are some of the things that you did to adapt your work to be able to survive, like to be able to function? So... One thing that I realized really early on, I was terrified of like, again, dealing with my parents, particularly my mom's illness. Like she passed away from cancer really kind of suddenly. She had a diagnosis and then passed away four months later. I was really scared of what would happen if I started being too sedentary. And I had like heart problems. I was dizzy. I had trouble breathing. I didn't have enough oxygen, but like, damn, if I was going to sit there all day, like I was not going to let this thing take me down without a fight. So I went hiking like very slowly, almost every single day. Like I went on like a two mile hike and I luckily, my home is in the woods next to a, a state park, like on an island with, it was amazing. And nobody was out, right? So it was like, I was out in the world. Everyone is locked down. And I was like out without a mask on in the woods with all weather, just slowly walking. So I took a break like every lunchtime, every single day, pretty much my husband would take me and we would go. And I like, there were days where I had to lay down on the trail three or four times. I'd be so dizzy. Like I'd have to do like the Apley maneuver for those of you who know what that is, like kind of a physical therapy move in order to even get the dizziness to quell it all. Or my heart would be way too high. It would be like 180 beats per minute, which isn't safe just to be walking. So I'd have to just like lay down until my heart would slow a little bit more. So I think that honestly, this probably sounds nuts to people, (laughs) but like hiking, like walking, slowly, slowly walking. And my doctor had said not to get my heart rate above 120. And for like lots of times I couldn't, 
I couldn't keep my heart rate below 120, even just walking a very, very slow pace. Yeah. So, but I just went really slow. And I think that like, that's something that I recommend. And I think that like, that's something I've carried on to. I really, walking is really important to me. Like it's so important to like balance your, like the cortisol in your body and to deal with stress. And I think that's something that is really helpful to help you get through your work, your work day, even if you don't have long COVID. Okay. And then what are some of the, well, before we go to the, all of your tools that you use, I want you to talk about, you also left the island to get the heck out of Dodge for a while. You took a little trip and how did that affect you? Yeah. So that's such an interesting thing. And there's like, I'm not a doctor. I didn't know everything, but (laughs) I know my own body. So last year, so I had been sick for a year and a half straight and obviously was like getting better. Like it's a process where I was getting better, but still, I'm still not all the way better. So after like last summer, I was so scared to leave. Like I think a lot of us, I probably had some fear just based on the pandemic and like you get scared to leave. A lot of us, the first trip we took probably after lockdown was scary. But I decided to go to Yellowstone with my family, go to Montana and go to Yellowstone for like a week or 10 days. So and I was scared. I almost didn't go at the last minute. So we went and I felt better than I had felt in the whole COVID situation. So what we did is we got home and we had a little pop-up camper. We sold it and we immediately bought an Airstream and set out on a three-month trip last fall. And so that was such an amazing And I like, again, like I was like, am I going to survive this? Are we going to be able to last on the road this long? Like I'm not well, like I'm not going to be able to hike anywhere. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And I would say that that was the healthiest and the best I felt in this whole time. And so I think that that was really magical. And I still like when we went to the Grand Canyon and went to Sedona early on in our trip, like I couldn't really hike. I couldn't really walk very far. Like I'm a person who looks like, why is that woman... (laughs) this age, like hobbling along with like holding on to her like family's arms so she doesn't fall over. Like that's what it was like. And in the Yellowstone trip last summer or the summer before, we went to Jenny Lake and did a hike and like I couldn't do it. We took a boat. For those of you who've done this hike, like you take a little boat across Jenny Lake and the Grand Tetons and then there's like this hike you do and then you hike back to the parking lot and it's a really popular hike in the Tetons. And I took the boat and I couldn't do it. And there's like toddlers running past me and like elderly people hiking past me. And I'm like, I look healthy. (laughs) You know, I look normal and I like couldn't do it. So I just want to put that out there is like, you know, obviously with chronic illness and disability, you don't know what other people around you are experiencing. But I knew that like mentally I felt better and I felt like I wanted to travel. And to me, traveling is a balm and it's a healing experience. And so anyway, we went on this bigger trip right after that for three months. And by the time we got to like Florida and the Southeast, I was like almost normal. Like I was so happy and I felt so good. And I think the sunshine was such good medicine. And there's a lot of evidence now that melatonin is really helpful if you have long COVID. And I think that just the sunlight, like melatonin and the relationship between your body and the sun is so powerful. And I just, I felt so good. So that was a really amazing decision and experience. And so I just would say that to anyone who's suffering from this, like seek out like infrared light or sun and see if that helps you feel better. Because for me, it gave me a lot of energy and a lot of relief from my symptoms. 
Okay. And then let's hear, like, here you are today. Do you want to just give us an update on like what your symptoms are, what you're experiencing now? Like, what are you struggling with now? Yeah. I mean, I would say mostly I'm better. I don't have like amazing, like, I guess, stability with my heart rate. So my heart still has a lot of uncontrollable episodes, I would say, especially stairs are really hard for me. Like I don't feel out of breath or anything, but my heart will just kind of go nuts all of a sudden. It's like not linear. It doesn't make sense. And sometimes just sitting down that happens, but like way less and not as extreme. Like my resting heart rate. Oh, this is another thing I'll say. Like I got an Apple watch early on in this process and that has been really powerful to see the trends. Like my resting heart rate has gone down. It was like in the eighties, the mid eighties when I first had COVID, long COVID my resting heart rate. And now it's like in the sixties and I'm not in like any shape. Like I, (laughs) I'm not in any like better shape at all, but like, that's pretty dramatic for those of you that know anything about like health is your like heart rate variability and your resting heart rate numbers. And mine have both improved like really dramatically. So that's way better. And then I still have like vertigo episodes, right? Like I said, a couple times a month where I'll just be like, we were at this tiny house show here in the Southwest a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I just had an episode. Like I couldn't function. Like we were in this big building and there's all these exhibitions and I just, it just hit me and like the world just starts spinning and there's nothing you can do. And so it's like, it sucks. Like I would say not knowing when it's going to happen. I have this big fear of being out with my daughter like alone because I don't know if something's going to happen that's going to make it hard for me to drive home with her or be in the car with her. But other than that, I would say I'm normal. Like I just, other than these, like, <laughs> I know that sounds not normal, but like a couple pretty times normal. a month. Relative. Pretty normal. A mm-hmm. couple times a month, some like weirdo thing happens. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, so COVID. <laughs> let's just summarize the things. So Apple Watch you're using, activity you're using, What else are you using to manage? Yeah. So I have been part of clinical trials. I've been part of like experimental medical regimes. I will just say because I was early on in this, I've done a lot of like biohacking and experimenting with my body around long COVID. So I don't want to get into all those details. So I've tried a lot of random things. But the one medication, um, I'll just say this in case it helps anyone, the one medication that I'm still on that seems to really be making a difference in my stability and recovery is called low-dose naltrexone. And it's something that I have to get from a compounding pharmacy. It's something that I was prescribed by a neurologist in April of 2021. So pretty early, like a year into my symptoms. And within about a month of starting that medication, I noticed a really dramatic difference and kind of like just a leveling off of my symptoms. So again, they become episodic, like they're randomly episodic, but it's not every day, all day. And so I don't know if it's time or random, but that's a medication that I take. Obviously, you have to talk to your doctor if you have long COVID and it's a weird medicine. Like people have been taking it in like kind of the autoimmune community for decades. Like a lot of MS patients take it. And naltrexone itself, it's not the same thing. Naltrexone itself, like at its full dose, is an opioid inhibitor. So it's something that like a heroin addict would take in order to, I guess, yeah, like not die from an overdose. And so it's kind of weird because when it's in your charts, like there's a lot of, I think, negative 
I don't know, rep, it has a negative reputation because if it looks like you're taking naltrexone, people think you're an addict, but that's not what it is. It's this microdose basically of this medication. And I don't understand why it works or how it works, but it's not something that cures you. Like I have to take it in order to have the benefits of it. It's not like I take it for a little while and then I heal from it. Like it's one of those things you take forever until your body or unless your body heals. So that's the medication that I take. And I just want to share that in case that's helpful for anyone to know, to talk to their doctor about. And I've been on it for a long time and I have had days where I've forgot to take it or where I've run out of it and I can definitely feel it. So just something to throw out there. And then I'll just say, so I've, again, experimented with a lot of medications, both pharmaceuticals and like supplements. When we were moving, like, cause we've relocated this year and I was packing, I could only take what I could fit in our Airstream and in two cars, like our truck and our car. And my supplement container is like one of those giant bins that you would like put your winter sweaters in. Like it's so big and it was like overflowing and I brought it into our Airstream. There's nowhere to put it. And then I had like other supplementary boxes of supplements because I've studied so much and I'm in so many Facebook groups and I have had so many different kinds of doctors that I've worked with that I have like so many supplements. And what I realized is that like I actually feel better when I don't take them. And this is something that I talked to you about, Sandy, because I was like, it was like a full-time job managing all the freaking supplements. Like when do you take magnesium and when do you need to take these B vitamins and when do you need like all day, like like literally hundreds of bottles of supplements. And at some point I just was like, I'm just going to try not doing this because I think they're making me a little sick. And so I stopped and I just take, like if I'm getting sick, I'll take zinc or you know, whatever, but I stopped that and I feel better from that. So I just will throw that out there too, that supplements are like really unregulated. And I think people take like, unless you know what you're doing, I think you can (laughs) make mistakes. So that's one other thing that I'll just point out is that like there, I think at various times, like for example, when my heart was really erratic all the time, every day, magnesium really helped, like compression, leggings really helped to steady my heart. But in a situation where I am at now, I don't need to take magnesium three times a day. Like my heart is okay. And I monitor it with my watch. Yeah. So what do you think would have happened to you if you were working a corporate job? Yeah. So I kind of was early on. I was still a practicing part-time lawyer for a nonprofit. And I left that job in the end of 2020. I should have left it sooner. (laughs) because I was so sick and because our company exploded. But I wanted to finish a couple of cases I was working on. And there's no way I could have kept that job like over the next couple of years. And I feel so much for people who aren't entrepreneurs and who encounter a chronic illness or a debilitating illness like this. I certainly, if I had like a full-time corporate job where I was in, you know, like a manager or an executive level, I certainly couldn't have done that job at all. Once I got long COVID, it would have been impossible. And I, I know because I'm in community with a lot of people who have this illness that like many, it's now officially in the United States, a disability. And a lot of people have left their careers completely. Like so people who are teachers or who were lawyers or lots of doctors, because a lot of doctors and nurses got COVID early on, like the OG COVID, which I don't know for sure, but I think it was worse. Like because I've you know, everyone's had it since then, right? We've all had like all these other strains of it. And that OG COVID man was like rough. And so there's a lot of medical professionals that have long COVID from early in the pandemic and they just like can't work. They've lost their careers and their livelihoods really. And so I just, I actually like, that's the other reason I wanted to do this episode was just to give another plug for entrepreneurship because thank God for this, like thank God for the flexibility to go on a hike 
a, like a crawl of a hike every day for 45 minutes in the middle of the day and to be able to go and travel to the sunshine right and to be able to like afford really the things like the medical bills and the supplements and the like I wanted to say too another thing that really helped me early on was a sauna blanket from higher dose and infrared light seems to really benefit and like a low sauna really helped me like every night I would go lay in my sauna blanket it was like it would like regulate my system so one of my diagnoses I'll say this is dysautonomia I don't know how many people have heard of it, but it's like the dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system. So that's like your brain telling your heart to beat a certain way or your lungs to breathe, like all those things that your body does behind the scenes that you don't have to do intentionally. That's your autonomic nervous system. And that's for me what really got messed up with COVID. And a lot of my symptoms from long COVID, my neurologist identified that dysautonomia was, you know, like playing a role in that. So like it's expensive to be chronically ill and to try to heal from that. And so the ability to have this entrepreneurial, like the benefits of being an entrepreneur, to have the finances, to have the flexibility, to have the freedom, all the stuff that we talk about that seems so empty and vague, when you put it into context like this, it becomes so incredibly meaningful. Like thank God. And I was able to support my entire family. And so my family could support me. Like my husband stopped working for two and a half years, a corporate job, an engineering job, so that he could take care of me. And like the grace of that, like the just is un, I can't even put it to words what that meant. Like I had someone there because I was terrified of being alone. Like I literally thought every time he left the house to go to the grocery store, I was going to like have a heart attack or die. So the idea of like having another human being that could be in the same house and then do the cooking, creating nutritious foods and meals and taking care of our child because a lot of stories of moms who get sick, right? Like they still have to take care of their kids. So I just want to say like a deep bow, I guess, to our business for supporting us during this time. Cause there's like, I literally don't know what would have happened without it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point that the work helps you, the flexibility, the income, like all the things we so, you know, to put some like specifics and exactness to those words, the freedom, I think is really powerful. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to share? Do you want to move on to Joy and Hustle? Uh, yeah, we can do Joy and Hustle. I think that's good. And I have a couple of things there. They're both kind of, I guess they're both because they support you to be healthy and happy and safe when you have a business. So one is this just this sauna blanket and it's a little pricey. And I think that they have some other less pricey options, but I had this higher dose sauna blanket. We'll link to it in the show notes. I bought it. I think they're kind of trendy now. So you've probably seen them around, but I bought it when it was like a weirdo thing to have a sauna blanket. It's a weird plastic <laughs> blanket thing that you lay in and there's lights inside and warmth. So that was really, really helpful. How, how much are they, Jenny? Just rough. It was like $500 okay. roughly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it is now. And then I also want to just put out a plug too for meal services. Like just healthy food is everything when you're sick and having access to healthy food. And I think it's just a tremendous privilege to have that. And so the one meal service that I have used and I still continue to use is Sakara Life, which is also really expensive. So again, I know that's a point of privilege. I pay like $179 a week for three 
days of meals, two meals. And so it's not very much food, but I don't have to think like for days where I didn't, and I don't have the ability to rely on my partner to cook for me, eating healthy is really important. And I just literally can take a packet, like a pre-made meal out of the refrigerator and know that I'm eating something nutritious. Do you use those for lunches? I use them for breakfast and lunch. Yeah. Three days a week because I would use them five days a week, but it's really, really expensive. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So yeah, so I just want to put a plug for those. If you've ever thought of taking them, they do like discounts for your first – we'll link to them in the show notes as well. They do discounts for your first order. It's really expensive. Like I feel like it's too – it's like food should be expensive. Like food is artificially cheap. Anyway, the whole economy is broken, but like this is really expensive. So I feel almost embarrassed talking about it, but – if you're in a position where like, I'd rather spend the money on this than on medical bills, right? So as someone who's like juggling those two options, like to me, eating healthy for me is the priority. So yeah. And I'll just say also like the doctors that helped me the most were a neurologist, like a holistic neurologist. They're hard to find someone who is like a, you know, a board certified neurologist, but also is like open to kind of Eastern medicine and things like that. And then also like a physical therapist was really helpful for vestibular physical therapy. So those two medical professionals are like really, really great if you find yourself in this situation. Like they were more helpful than a lot of like kind of the general doctors mm-hmm. that I encountered and I encountered a lot of doctors. So yeah, always yeah. the case, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just so, think the GPs have limited ability to help a lot. Of, right. They have like – in this case, like you're the one, you're the patient educating them, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're like, you know, they just treated someone's ear infection and then they're treating somebody's like yeah. cough. And like I come in and I have like read 200 articles about something and I'm that obnoxious patient that's like, I think I have this. I think you need to test me for this. This is what my blood work said about this. So I just like obviously be an advocate too. Like I think that's the other message is I had this like weirdo experience of being really early on in this wave of major illness and nobody knew what the heck was going on and I had to constantly advocate for myself. And I also had to especially advocate because I didn't have a positive test early on afterwards have had positive antibody tests, like, but those didn't exist. Like there was nothing existed early on. And so, and I was refused a test the one time I tried to take it because I was told I was too young, right? So early in the pandemic, it was like an older person's illness like that's so like just be an advocate for yourself and your health and yeah that's the message that's great jenny thank you for sharing your personal story and being so vulnerable and giving us all the great details i think it really matters and i think there's a lot of people who are probably suffering or keeping quiet about it or struggling and so we just wanted to put this episode out into the world for all of you to know that it's like you aren't alone if you are struggling with long COVID or a chronic illness. So it's possible. It's all possible. And and thank you for all your tips and how you've survived. And I think you're remarkable. Mm. Thank you, Sandy. And thank you for taking care of so much while I was sick. So yeah, it goes yeah. both ways. Of course. All right, folks. Well, I just want to also say if you have particular questions or resources, obviously go to your doctor, but I also want to be a resource for you if you have follow-up questions to anything. So you can feel free to send our team a message to hello at anshe.co if there's something in this episode that if you want to just share your story, if you want to connect in some way, I'm happy to send you to some of the websites and resources that I've used. So I just want to put that out there as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Thank you. See you next week.
This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.